Ride Report, a podcast from the Master Executive Council of JetBlue Alpha for the union pilots of JetBlue. Now from New York, Ride Report. Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, or even perhaps good night if you're uh, out there on a red eye. Thanks for tuning into Ride Report. I'm your P2P Vice Chairman, Tim Coombs. Today's topic is retirement and insurance. We're going to hit on such things as healthcare, 401k, VIBA, and uh, disability. Before we get started on our retirement and insurance discussion, we do have the good fortune of having our MEC Vice Chairman available for a short Q&A. Uh, so we have Wayne Scales, MEC Vice Chairman, on our podcast. Wayne, how's it going? Hey, Tim, it's going well. Thanks for having me today. I guess I'll start out with just painting a, a picture with a broad brush. I mean, uh, as we speak today, coincidentally, uh, we have crossed the uh, psychological 1 million passenger screenings at TSA, 35, 40% of levels that we saw last year. Can you provide us on behalf of the MEC a- any kind of an update as to where the industry stands with respect to some kind of a financial package from the federal government in the form of federal funding? Uh, With respect to federal funding, I think everybody's kind of seen the news and there's not really a whole lot of an update to provide. The news is that uh, right now that's kind of at a standstill. There's been talk of a, uh, obviously an airline uh, only package uh, separate from a a total economic package. Right now, there's just uh, no movement forward on that. It's kind of still at a standstill. But you hit the nail on the head with the industry and where the industry is kind of at right now. Uh, crossing the 1 million uh, passenger plateau through the TSA checkpoint is still a fraction of where we were before. Uh, this time last year, we were well over 2 million passengers through TSA checkpoints in the United States. We see a uptick in leisure demand, but yet that, still, that corporate demand uh, still remains non-existent around 90% less than where it was uh, just a year ago. So international and uh, corporate demand is still driving severely depressed levels of flying. As we said on the last podcast, we had about 43,000 block hours in the system uh, for October compared to about 95,000 a year ago. And in November, we're looking at an uptick, 58,000 block hours in the system as it was in the bid package. However, uh, management continues to closely monitor the demand and make adjustments where necessary in the system. And uh, sometimes that involves uh, removing a significant number of flights uh, well after the bid. Thanks, Wayne. And I I just want to change topics a little bit. I I seem to remember in the uh, weekly update recently that there was uh, some talk about the uh, special qualification. There were some developments with that. Can you just review for our pilots who, who... may have missed that summary, uh, what's going on in that department? Yeah, the, the weekly update uh, contains most of the updates uh, that the MEC has going on every every Friday. So please uh, read all the way through uh, those email communications because there's a lot of important information in there. With respect to special qual uh, crew class, uh, it's in section 24B as in Victor of the contract. And Right now, uh, working through a a lot of the specifics of how special qual crew classes will work, the contract speaks to it to some degree. For instance, it will be, there will be positions to bid upon. And, you know, if if it ever gets downsized later, they would be positions that are displaced from. So it does require a system bid for it. 
Uh, but there's a lot of other nuances in terms of like how, uh, how reserves would work, how staying current would work and things like that. So uh, we commissioned all of our uh, committees to kind of work jointly together on this from our scheduling committee to training and central air safety uh, and hotels. So everybody can be on the same page and uh, make sure that we're ensuring contract compliance, advocating for pilot groups protections, and uh, making sure that everybody's up to speed on uh, on these issues. While we're on the topic of the, uh, the Friday uh, weekly update, I'll go ahead and add that uh, we also recently communicated a number of additional uh, MOUs. MOU 12 uh, establishes uh, Long Beach uh, pilot base closing and LAX pilot base opening. Specifically, there's a number of changes to uh, limo times and, and travel to training. MOU 14 uh, was established uh, just in the past couple weeks. And uh, what MOU 14 addresses is the issue where management is required to comply with a number of CBA provisions specifically with respect to training order. The contract requires that training is done in seniority order for vacancy awards or voluntary displacement awards. It also requires that it's done in reverse seniority order with involuntary displacement awards. And then lastly, uh, we just recently codified MOU 15 uh, when the company uh, established the ability to do instructor pilot uh, open time vacation via Flicka. MOU 2 did not allow that, and MOU 15 changes to allow that process to take place. Thanks, Wayne. Just backing up to the training discussion, has there, I guess it triggers the question, has there been any kind of update about a possible supplemental bid coming for new equipment and things like that? It's a good question, Tim. I know the rumors out there that, and I'm not sure where, like any rumor, I'm not sure where that started, but I, I think it's been floating around that a, a supplemental bid is going to take place in November. The MEC is obviously in communications with management when uh, they decide to run a supplemental bid. And at this time, we don't have any information about a supplemental bid being run in November. MEC Vice Chairman Wayne Scales, thanks for your time today. I know you're stay busy, so uh, thank you for your time. You're listening to Ride Report. When we return, we'll be speaking with Charles Pooch Pucciarello of the Retirement and Insurance Committee. Ride Report. The deadline to earn your free 2020 Healthy Rewards money, December 31st, is quickly approaching. Don't let your free money slip away. Join that step challenge. Get those teeth cleaned. Or perhaps get that colonoscopy you've been putting off. No matter which qualifying activity you or your dependents complete, head to WeRally.com or the Rally mobile app to claim your rewards. 2020 Healthy Rewards. Earn your free money. Money. Ride report. Ride report. Joining us on the podcast today, we have Retirement and Insurance Committee Chairman Charles Pucciarello. How's it going, Pooch? Hey, pretty good. For those who are, are listening to the podcast who may not be familiar with the Retirement and Insurance Committee uh, or, or really the infrastructure of the committee, can you tell us a little bit about the committee? Sure, Tim. As you know, retirement insurance encompasses a broad amount of topics. We require some broad expertise as well in some specific areas. So the first one, we look at the healthcare plan. Healthcare encompasses all kinds of things from drugs and formularies to, to the plan. 
We also have disability. Um, a lot of pilots aren't very familiar with disability until they're actually on disability. So if you've never been on disability, I encourage you to listen to what the risks are in your career. Uh, we have the retirement plan. We monitor the company and their management of your 401k plan. We also have the VIBA. We like to call it, it's the Alpa Health Retirement Plan. And VIBA is a voluntary employee benefit association. And that's basically a code on the IRS to help you uh, save money in a tax preferred way. And it's actually not part of the RNI committee, but many of the members have the same expertise. So we overlap. Okay, great. You mentioned you have, uh, what was it? Five committee members currently? Yeah, five, including me. We have Mike Riley. He's a retirement expert and also on the board for, for the ARHP uh, Biba. We also have Bert Tarvin, our disability expert. Uh, we have Scott Hall, who is our healthcare expert, and Jeff Good, who deals with CSPP and is playing all positions as best we can. And uh, just before we dive deep into all this stuff, what's the best way to get in touch with your committee? I'm, I'm, I'm guessing PDR system, correct? Yeah, the PDR system is the way ahead. It helps us uh, file what the different uh, problems are, track what we're getting as far as questions, and it keeps our committee operating uh, more efficiently. So we like that. And also, I mean, you don't think of this often, but continuity, you know, the same people aren't going to be on our committee forever. We need a way to go ahead and, and chronicle how we answer these questions. All right. Thanks, Pooch. A great overview of the committee there. And uh, I, I want to get right into it. It's the topic at hand. I'm sure it's the hotly contested and debated uh, item out on the flight line. It's election season. And I'm, of course, talking about insurance election. Uh, we are in the open enrollment period for 2021. Pooch, can you just talk a little bit about the generalities of the open enrollment uh, yes, exciting times in the RNI world. Uh, open enrollment begins October 29th and continues through November 12th. And for those pilots who may not know, I mean, I'm sitting here with a uh, with a wellness benefits magazine in front of me that was mailed to my house. Uh, that seems like it contains a lot of information. Maybe it looks a little bit complicated to look through. But if a pilot can't find the information that they need from this open enrollment uh, pamphlet that was mailed to our houses, where can they go for for further information? to maybe get a question answered that's not in this booklet. Uh, one great resource that JetBlue has is lifeisbetterinblue.com. And what I would recommend doing is going to the site and whatever you have your question about, put it up in the search uh, terms and you, you should see a, a reasonable answer down below. Okay. And if a pilot uh, should happen to not be able to find the answer or, or, or the clarity that they need to whatever kind of enrollment question they have, we're going to be reaching out via phone to somebody in the benefits department at JetBlue. Is that, is that how that works? Or Highly doubtful that you would reach someone at JetBlue Benefits on the telephone, but you can reach them by email and that would be bluebenefits at jetblue.com. And I would copy your chief pilot office uh, with your question because they're part of the open door policy and they have information. And I know in Boston, we have a benefits representative on site. Uh, that's another resource for you. And if you have further questions going from there, you can call Blue Carpet and they may be able to explain some options to you. Okay. And Pooch, if you could, for our listeners, just kind of give us a brief overview uh, of any major changes that are coming for 2021. Does it all kind of look the same? You know, not a lot of major changes. Uh, as expected, we have a increase in premiums. Now, these aren't off the charts, but as you know, healthcare increases every year. We do have some slight increase in, in uh, semi-monthly premiums, but otherwise, as the CBA states, we still have our 
green and blue uh, plan options. And for those who are listening who may not be familiar or, or haven't seen this information in the contract, uh, we're talking specifically about Section 27. And Pooch, there's, correct me if I'm wrong here, but there's also a an associated percentage component that a pilot is capped out in terms of their cost share for these insurance plans, right? That's correct. It's between 20 and 23% of what you pay, the company pays the rest. And that's part of uh, the collective bargaining agreement and what their their share is on the premiums. Okay, now I see a lot of a lot of crayons in the crayon box here. We've got blue plans and green plans and, and all different kinds of stuff to choose from. What are the differences between these plans? What are some important things to consider when trying to decide whether you might want to pick the blue plan or the green plan? Well, two options is an overwhelming consideration, Tim. And so I'm not not to joke around, but a lot of pilots who have questions, I will specifically ask, what current plan do you have, green or blue? And they don't know. So, I mean, that's the first place to start looking in your research on what you want to do for the open enrollment season and say, where am I today? One of the big things is drug coverage. Uh, people who have known drug costs and uh, continuous or medications that they have to constantly take seem to prefer the green plan. And you can see on the chart there that they pay more for their prescriptions up front. Uh, for the blue plan, you get the opportunity to enroll in the health savings account, which is another tax deferred vehicle to save money for uh, health care expenses. Now, Pooch, you mentioned the the HSA. Uh, there's also an FSA option as well. Can you kind of touch on what are the differences between an HSA and an FSA? The HSA is integral to the blue plan. All the money that you put aside, whether it's JetBlue seed money, healthy rewards, or a salary deferral, goes into your HSA. That's yours. It's always yours. It rolls over year after year, and you can invest it. Now, if you're in the green plan, you don't have an HSA option, and that is, that's a tax issue, and it's the way the government has written the tax code that you cannot participate in the HSA because it doesn't meet the requirements of a high deductible health care plan. This is the green plan. So in the green plan, you're, you have two accounts available to you. You have the health reimbursement account, and you'll have that automatically because just by signing up for the green plan, you will get seed money. Your seed money of JetBlue dollars goes into the green plan at HRA. Now, as long as you stay enrolled in the green plan with no gaps, meaning you don't opt out of coverage for a year or you don't switch to the blue plan, that money will roll over and you can spend it. Now, if you wanted to add more money to that, you could enroll in a flexible spending account, the FSA. You can contribute money pre-tax dollars, just like an HSA, but the difference with those dollars is that you have to spend them they don't roll over. To a limited amount, you have uh, $550 that you could submit up to March 31st. But uh, that's use it or lose it. I'm going to go out on a limb and make maybe some presumptions here that that's why the premiums are, are perhaps higher for the blue plan than the green plan, because it takes into account the fact that you can uh, maintain this HSA account and, and let it build over time through through an investment vehicle. Yes, that's part of it. And also the, uh, the drug options uh, are part of the equation for that. I guess as a, as a subcategory decision, uh, once a pilot picks between blue or green, they also have to make a decision whether they want to opt for Blue Cross, Blue Shield, or United Healthcare, correct? I mean, what are some things to consider with that? That's really going to depend on your needs, where you live, and what doctors are in network. And that's, uh, that's going to be a personal decision. It requires a, a little bit of research, but 
if you currently have doctors, you just want to make sure that they're going to be covered in, in network in your plan. Now, once a pilot decides uh, what they want to do, they need to go to uh, a website to actually make those elections, correct? Where, where, do, where do pilots go to enroll or make changes to their 2021 uh, insurance? So that would be on BCSS on the JetBlue network. I, I would also recommend when you go into that website to look at the current benefits you're enrolled in. And, and it will tell you that, and that's easy to look, but just some good situational awareness of, of what you've been doing in the past will help you make future decisions. So BCSS for the uh, in, the insurance enrollment elections. And uh, I guess even if you're a person who's saying to the, you know, sitting there saying to themselves, listening to this podcast saying, look, I, I, uh, there's no change for me. I'm, I'm status quo, you know, no life changes over the course of the past year. I'm, I'm planning to keep it exactly how it is. I mean, those pilots should still log into BCSS and, and ensure that everything looks correct. Right, Pooch? Uh, that's correct. I, I wouldn't leave it to an automated computer system to see that you're going to get a surprise next year because you can't change it once the plane year starts and open enrollment closes. Now, you mentioned drugs as, a, as possibly a, a factor in a, in a pilot's decision making as to whether or not to pick the, the green plan versus the blue plan. Can you, can you hit on that a little bit more for our listeners? Sure. As many pilots out there would know who are affected by this, uh, they, they have medications that they need to take for themselves or their family on a regular basis, and that can really drive up costs. So they choose the green plan option to lower the cost of their, their drugs. Uh, there was an IRS notice put out in 2019 that high deductible healthcare plans, meaning our blue plan, would be able to cover these drugs under the deductible, which would, would have been really helpful, but the company has decided not to include that in our plan this year. And Pooch, as we touch on the HSA here, are there any major changes to the HSA for 2021? Because I know that over the past several years, uh, there have been some minor changes year over year. The limits have changed so that this year the rates have increased. You can contribute 3600 as a single or 7200 as a family to the HSA plan, which is a small increase. The biggest change is going to be the vendor who manages our uh, HSA plan. We're going to be switching from Optum Bank to Connect Your Care, and they're going to be replacing both the Optum Bank and PayFlex. If you've had the pleasure of working with PayFlex, you'll uh, welcome this. Connect Your Care is going to have the same investment options for the most part, but it's going to require that participants actually make a, a choice, an election as to where they want their money to go and how. Read up on that. You should be getting a questionnaire in the mail from JetBlue on how you want to handle that, but it's important that you uh, make that decision for yourself. Thanks, Pooch. A lot of great information on the open enrollment for 2021, and I guess I'll close it out uh, here before we head to commercial break. Uh, with just one last question here, as we approach the end of 2020, uh, what should our listeners be focusing on right now in this moment in terms of the remainder of 2020 and closing out the items from this calendar year? We have things like healthy rewards and FSA money to make sure that these items get claimed or used, correct? Uh, correct. You hit the nail on the head with that. Okay. Before the end of the year, definitely we want to get all pilots to claim their healthy rewards dollars. Those are your dollars. And there's a lot of easy ways to claim these healthy rewards that I don't think people are aware of. There's a lot of walking programs. We all have trackers on our phones or our watches, and these are repeatable items. Some of them are, are worth $100 a month. So they're not, they're not overly difficult to do. It just takes a little uh, time to get into the Rally website and set it up. So I would recommend that. Also, I would say spend your FSA money or at least 
uh, plan on spending your FSA money before the end of the year so you can make those claims and not give back any dollars. Uh, the flu shots are available. Go get your flu shot. We're discussing retirement and insurance items, and we're going to shift gears now and talk about disability. For me, I like to equate disability to uh, to maybe something like a car or an airplane. Uh, you get a you get a car or an airplane brand new, and and things work great. But over time, I mean, you can start to expect that things will wear out. Our bodies are really no different, and so disability is there to uh, capture with respect to recovering your income for you when you can't necessarily go to work and make a living. Pooch, uh, I guess we'll start with short-term disability since that would come first in the chain of events if a pilot were to become disabled. For those of our listeners who may not be familiar, do pilots automatically receive short-term disability? Is that a benefit that automatically comes to you? Now, that's a change in the uh, new collective bargaining agreement that when you're a new hire, you'll automatically be enrolled in the core short-term disability plan. But remember, it's called voluntary short-term disability. So I would always make sure that I'm signed up for the correct benefit at every open enrollment period. And for those who may not have used the short-term disability before, I I fall off a ladder and break my arm uh, at my house on my day off. First of all, who do I contact? Uh, the first person you contact is your chief pilot office. If you're going to be out for more than seven days, you automatically will want to be on short-term disability if you have it. Or if you don't have a plan if, you don't, if you're not covered, you're basically on a medical leave of absence and you will not be receiving any money. So uh, before we get into how much you'll get paid, you have to remember that there's three different levels of the plan you can sign up for. There's low, core, and high. If you're in the low plan, you get 40% of your basic earnings up to $1,500. And the core plan will pay you 60% of your basic earnings up to $1,500. And the high plan pays 60% up to $3,000. And that's a weekly benefit. Is there some sort of look back to determine those figures? Sure. So it's the uh, highest of the last two or six full months work. So sometimes for whatever reason, you may not have a full uh, month or a leave or military leave, but a month like that should not count. It'll be the full months. Also, you have to remember that everything in your paycheck does not count towards your uh, look back. So uh, one of the common questions we will get is, I'm not getting paid enough, but they're only looking at their gross earnings number at the top of their pay stub. And there's certain things like PTO sellback is a common one that won't count towards that look back. Okay. Now these payouts, when they come in the form of a paycheck, are they subject to, is that disability payout subject to any kind of taxes? No. So that's tax-free. And the reason for that is that you pay your premiums with post-tax dollars. So if I'm a pilot who, who does you know, have the unfortunate circumstance of breaking the arm, trying to figure all this out. I do my look back and then I'm looking at 60% or perhaps if I'm in the low plan, 40% up to X amount. And that's money that's not taxed, correct? Uh, that's correct. So, you know, looking back at what you're making, I mean, if you are not crediting a lot of hours or you're on a voluntary leave of absence, you, you would expect a lower payout based on what you're looking at as full months in your look back. With respect to retirement contributions, will a pilot receive their company retirement contribution while on short-term disability? Does that money factor into the uh, retirement plan? That would be no, since they're not earning income. There'll be no retirement. And don't forget, you'll also be responsible for paying the premiums on your medical care and the disability plan. And is a pilot permitted to make uh, contributions to their 401k? That would be now. Pooch, uh, short-term disability uh, and even long-term disability seem like the kind of benefits that some or, or maybe even many don't really take the time to know and understand until they actually become disabled. 
Can you cover maybe some of the other common questions that you guys tend to get on the retirement and insurance committee? I think one of the common ones was already covered is, is the look back and how that's calculated. And some people are, some pilots are disappointed when they see that not all of their income and their sellback is included. The other one is to remember that your disability starts on the day you're under care from a doctor. You don't get to choose when you go out on disability. So from that date, uh, there's a seven-day elimination period, as they call it, where you will not be paid. You can cover that with PTO at the time, but you can't PTO past that. Uh, you can sell back PTO to uh, supplement your income after the fact, but it will be similar to PTO sellback. All right, Pooch. And as we close out our discussion on short-term disability, are there any changes coming for 2021 with respect to the short-term disability? Uh, I'd say the biggest one, Tim, is the premiums are going to go up for next year, and that's going to be approximately 20% across the board. Uh, this should affect quite a few pilots since 92% of our pilots participate in some form of voluntary short-term disability. So this is based on uh, the loss claims ratio that JetBlue presents, and last year we had a, a lot of claims. So that is, that is the assumption. Let's switch gears now and talk a little bit about long-term disability. With the core benefit of the long-term disability plan, that's different from the short-term disability, right, Pooch? This is a benefit provided by the company? Uh, mostly correct. So the, the company pays the premiums for the long-term disability plan. What the pilot pays for the core plan is called imputed income. Imputed income is important because it makes the benefit paid with post-tax dollars, and that allows the benefit to be paid tax-free. Okay. And in this long-term disability benefit, there's, uh, as I understand, a 180-day uh, elimination period. So the day you go disabled starts a clock for 180 days. And after that 180 days is when you'd begin to receive your long-term disability benefit, correct? That's correct. Okay. And we use the phraseology of a core benefit. There's also, in addition to the core benefit, there's a buy-up component, correct? Can you touch on that a little bit, Pooch? Sure. And that this is contained in uh in this collective bargaining agreement, but the core plan covers 55% of your basic income calculation as the uh, short-term disability plan. And that pays out a maximum of 13,500 per month. That's one of the other differences between long-term disability and short-term is that short-term pays weekly, long-term disability will pay you a monthly benefit. Can you talk a little bit more about the difference between the, uh, the, the, the standard kind of core benefit and the buy-up? What's the difference between the two? The buy-up plan is uh, voluntary by the pilot. He pays the full uh, premium for the extra 5% of a benefit. So now your look back will be 60% of your basic earnings. And that's over, to clarify, that look back is 12 to 18 months, whichever is uh, higher. The other important aspect of the extra 5% is it raises the maximum benefit to $15,000 from $13,500. That seems like a pretty significant chunk of change. Yes, but the premium is a significant chunk of change as well. So, And with respect to uh, company retirement contribution, 401k, and, and that aspect, is it reasonable to assume that the rules of the game are kind of the same with uh, long-term disability, a short-term disability, Pooch? Yeah, in respect to retirement, uh, you'll still not be receiving a retirement contribution based on this benefit. And to note, this plan is what they call a fully insured plan. So this is a premium paid to MetLife, and the benefit is paid by MetLife as well. Okay. And as we uh, close out our discussion on long-term disability, I'll, I'll kind of once again ask the same question I asked earlier with short-term. Uh, what are some of the most common things, uh, in addition to what we've already discussed, that, that pilots might tend to ask about long-term disability when they have to access this benefit? 
Uh, same for short-term disability. Once you're dealing with a new department at MetLife, the uh, look back, so you have to make sure all the correct pay items are included in your look back and it's a, for a different period. So that's, that's a common question, whether there's a problem there or not. Uh, the other questions, since, you know, the pilot's been on, in the disability environment for six months now, so he's used to submitting things to the, uh, from the doctors to the insurance company, but some of that have to go through that whole process again. Usually it goes easier because the pilot has already been through it before, but uh, sometimes we'll run into problems with they want different kinds of documentation and it's not available. So you know, just the, the typical problems with disability and, and making yourself eligible for the payouts occurs. Thanks, Pooch. You're listening to Ride Report. We'll be back after this brief message for a discussion on 401k. Ride Report. Ride Report. Textcaster is a limited-use text messaging system designed to remind JetBlue pilots of important dates and events. Sign up now through b6alpa.org or the Alpa app on your mobile device. Get reminders on monthly bid closing, vacation, and information important to JetBlue pilots. Textcaster, a convenient reminder service for JetBlue pilots. Ride Report. Welcome back to Ride Report. I'm your host, Captain Tim Coombs. We're going to shift topics now and talk a little bit about the uh, company retirement plan, 401k and the like. That's uh, information is all contained within section 28 of the collective bargaining agreement. Pooch, I know this is right in your wheelhouse to, uh, uh, you know, maybe give uh, our listeners a basic overview of the retirement plan itself. Sure, Tim. Uh, big picture, section 28 includes all the features, including a separate brokerage, Roth conversions, after-tax contributions, and more importantly, it includes the provision to have a non-discretionary contribution to the pilots. And what you mean by that, just to make sure that uh, everybody understands, is that there's no requirement for you to put money into your retirement account in order for the company to put money into the retirement account, correct? That's right. And the terminology is important. We get a lot of questions from pilots about, hey, you know, my, my JetBlue match was off or this, you know, you don't have a JetBlue match anymore. You don't have retirement advantage, although you still have those contributions listed in your 401k uh, contribution sources, there'll be no more contributions there. It's all non-discretionary company contribution. They can't change that at will. Maybe you can talk for our listeners a little bit about some of the upcoming changes that will take effect January 1st of 2021. I can think of one important contractual change that's happening on January 1st. Uh, you bet. The most important one is our increase from 15 percent to 16 percent on the uh, company contribution. Changes to the plan, the uh, 415C contribution. Now, this is the maximum amount of money that you can contribute to your 401k over the course of the year. That includes your money, JetBlue's money, and after-tax contributions. That's going to increase from 57000 a year to 58000 a year. The contribution right now that you can uh, defer from your salary is unchanged now at 19500 the catch-up contribution, which is separate from those limits, is unchanged at 6500 And the total contribution limit, that's called the 401A17 limit. This is the total amount JetBlue can contribute in reference to your income. So that's going to increase from 285000 a year to 290000 a year. So just an overview from what that means is if you make over 290000 a year, 16% of 290,000 is 46,400. That's the maximum that can go into the retirement plan from JetBlue. 
And uh, can you just talk a little bit about, you mentioned, uh, I think, self-directed brokerage option. Can you talk a little bit about what that is for anybody out there who might not be familiar? So every pilot has the option to open a brokerage account within the uh, 401k plan. Our current brokerage is uh, Schwab, but you know, currently we only have 15% of our pilots enrolled. What this allows you to do is that instead of picking only the investment lineup of, I think it's about 30 different choices for investments in the Empower lineup, uh, you can invest in anything you want with a few exceptions like JetBlue stock and limited partnerships. But it allows you to pick your own fees. And right now there's no trading fees within the Schwab account. And uh, any other financial resources available uh, through, you know, perhaps Alpa National? I, I think I seem to remember something about financial planning services. Uh, that's correct. Through, through Schwab and our relationship with uh, Alpa, you can get some financial planning through Schwab and call them up. There's plenty of information on the website, but you know, one caveat there is you may see that the Empower website will say you're 100% sure you're going to be funded for retirement. But that makes a lot of assumptions. I think everyone should read the fine print on that if they ever get the chance, because it assumes you're going to work uh, past 65, your salary is going to increase a certain amount per year. And it really comes out with a number that's more than you can contribute to the plan. You know, while an emergency fund is perhaps the most important financial planning item, especially in this business, uh, retirement would seem to rank uh, pretty high on the list as well. Uh, is there any overriding message you'd like to express to uh, anybody who might be listening to the to the retirement discussion today? Yeah, sure. I mean, you know, we always say nobody cares about your retirement more than you do. So nobody's managing your money. Nobody's looking at your investments. Nobody's telling you that you have to contribute money to the plan. So, you know, our, our recommendation is always, if you're unsure of the acronyms and the numbers that are getting thrown around here in this discussion, you may be in need of some financial advice or a financial planner. Uh, our committee, you know, we, we aren't in a position to offer advice or financial advice or investing advice, but we can tell you what the tools available are. And we've talked to financial advisors in the past who just want to know plan details and how to get set up. Great. Thanks, Pooch. And I think you mentioned earlier with some of the IRS uh, limits uh, alluding to uh, a little bit of VEBA discussion. Can you just give our review of what the VEBA is and, and why it's an important vehicle? So in our latest collective bargaining agreement, one of our newest features is the Alpa Retiree Healthcare Plan, VEBA. Everyone calls it the VEBA. VEBA is actually a section of the tax code that allows us to have this plan. And it allows certain tax advantages for the pilot or anyone uh, enrolled to save money tax-free. There's only a certain limit to what we can do in the 401k plan. So this, this is another avenue, another vehicle for pilots to save. What are some ways that, that these pilots can maximize spillover into this VEBA uh, vehicle? In order for money to go into the VEBA, there's two different types of contributions we have. One is for every hour of credit, you receive $1 into the VEBA. That's, that's not much. What are pilots going to receive now? It's seven to $900 per year uh, without any action on their part. The other contribution is called spillover. And we call it spillover because we think of water. You remember that our 16% from the company, that has to flow somewhere. Uh, we get a lot of questions from pilots saying, what, if I don't do this, am I going to lose my contribution? There's, there's no way to actually lose money that the company is obligated to pay under that 16% of income. It just matters where it goes. And sometimes that gets complicated and we answer a lot of questions about it. But one of the ways to 
spill money into the Biba is to max out your 401k early. Okay. And for somebody who might fall into the opposite category and be saying, this isn't for me based on my, my personal circumstances or maybe my, my personal insurance benefits that I have uh, from a, maybe a second career or something like that. So what can they do to per- perhaps limit spillover if that's not something that they want to happen? Okay. So we talked about that 415C limit, the maximum amount of money that can go into the plan of $58,000. What you would want to do is keep your company contribution plus your own contribution below that number. Okay. And as we approach the uh, end of the year here and income levels for the year start to rise, uh, what should pilots be looking for in terms of their VIBA income limits or, or IRS limits and things like that when it comes to the VIBA? So some, some of the things that we see at the end of the year are pilot reaches the 19,500 limit towards salary deferral. So the deferrals will stop. They'll see that on the paycheck. Uh, if you're age 50 or over, you, you have your catch-up contribution, you may max that out, uh, and, and those contributions will stop. If you hit the 415C limit, you'll notice that no more money is going into your Empower account, and you'll say, where does that go? And that is spilling over into the VIBA, but it does not spill over into the VIBA indefinitely. It stops when you hit $290,000 of income. Once you hit $290,000 and sort of look like the look back and the other things we discussed. It's not that gross earnings number at the top left-hand box of your pay stub. You have to start subtracting out certain items and allowances and per diems that don't count towards your basic income. Uh, when you hit that number, which is a general time frame, you'll see that the VIBA contributions will also stop and you'll get a new contribution and this will be taxable money. So it's going to p- appear in the top half of your pay stub and that's uh, contribution money your 16% is just going to be paid out. To sum it up, you can't lose any money. You can only direct where it goes. And I think that's important because there's a misconception amongst a few pilots that you, know, you, you could possibly do something to make your contribution go away. Yeah, an important uh, point to highlight briefly on the successorship of a pilot's VIBA balance because I, or, or, or share. Uh, I feel like there's a little bit of an underlying misconception that this is kind of a, you either use it yourself or, or you lose it. Can you discuss how that works a little bit? Sure. So you're, uh, you, if you pass before your spouse, you can pass over all the money to your uh, spouse. Uh, if your children are 26 or under, they also can receive the benefit. And if you have a disabled uh, dependent of any age, they can receive the benefit. This benefit may not be for everybody, and we sort of recommend, look, if you're going to participate in the VIBA and put a bunch of money into it, it's probably the first money you're going to spend in retirement. Everybody is going to have expenses, medical expenses. You're going to have to pay for your Medicare, Medicaid, Part B. There's just fees. You can use this money for uh, long-term care policies. You can use it for long-term care, assisted living. There's a number of things you can spend this money on, and you would spend it first because Unlike, say, an HSA, if you were saving the HSA over time for the same reason, uh, that you can direct, you have more options as far as your estate. I guess since we're touching on using the VIBA, there are some other circumstances where you may be able to use your VIBA money as well. You know, if I retire or when can I start accessing VIBA benefit? VIBA, even though it's uh, called a retirement health account, uh, once you are no longer employed by JetBlue, whether it's uh, leaving before age 55, even you would be able to spend that money on a qualified medical expense. And those expenses, you know, just 
in general, it's similar to what you would be qualified for to spend under an HSA is, is how I like to put it. There may be a, a few nuances, but that's the general gist. Are there any other highlights you'd like to hit for our pilots who are listening to this podcast? Uh, yeah, Tim, I'd like to just stress that every pilot should at least log on and check their current balance and see what's inside their particular own Viva account. If you haven't logged in already, our instructions are on the RNI website on the b6alpha.org website. Uh, so go there, log in, see what your balance is. And for, for those who, yeah, I say the most negative feedback we have about the Viva is about the successorship. So I'm glad we addressed that. And I would just say that, look, if you had an annuity or a pension, you know, that you wouldn't be able to pass that on to your adult children either. And this is going to be such a small percentage of your overall retirement portfolio. Something to think about. It's just a little hedge for your future and it pays for something that we all anticipate if, if it goes well. And that's a medical expense. Charles Pooch, Pucciarello, Retirement and Insurance Chairman, we greatly appreciate your time today on the podcast. And as we close out the podcast, if you have any further questions for the Retirement and Insurance Committee, you can send them a PDR using the b6alpa.org website or the b6alpa app on your phone. Very easy to do. That's all for this episode. Thanks for tuning in to Ride Report. Ride Report, a podcast from the Master Executive Council of JetBlue Alpa for the union pilots of JetBlue.